White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow. You can't put it on the board. Yes. Yes. It's a perfect game. Right after, grand slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Jimenez, he's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence. You can follow me on Twitter. It is at Eckerwall23. Chris Tannehill is at Chris Tannehill, and our show is at Locked On Sox on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Go and subscribe there. We'll be having some features there uh, after a while. You know, I got my video back, so we'll be definitely be posting some videos up post haste three one two five six six eight seven two seven is the way you can leave us a voice message and we'll get to some of those today locked on socks at gmail.com is the way you can leave a email chris how you doing tonight uh i wish the lord would take me now and i'll tell you why uh, after i tell you we are brought to you today by locked on mlb join walking baseball encyclopedia paul francis sullivan please call him sully every day on locked on mlb for a unique look at majors both past and present featuring exciting guest interviews and routine check-ins from the locked on mlb networks team of local experts subscribe to locked on mlb today on the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast all right i'll i'm uh Level of concern here, Herb. Uh, there was some news that came down before this White Sox game yesterday. They lose one to nothing. Oh, it was an absolute thriller. I couldn't. I I was almost late for work because I didn't want to leave my house because it was just I was hanging on every pitch here uh, in this start that uh, Ronaldo Lopez uh, took the bump for the White Sox. He actually did a really nice job yesterday for the Sox. Uh, but you know, this is basically just a rest everyone up getaway day lineup as uh, TA. Got the day off. Uh, Jose Abreu got the day off. Um, Yoan got the day off. So uh, and Luis Robert got the day off as well. So everyone's going to be rocking and rolling for Field of Dreams tonight, which I'm really excited about. But there was some news that came down before the game. Carlos Rodon to the 10-day IL retroactive to the eighth with shoulder fatigue. Uh, Tony Larusa, Coach Tony, says that he is not sure if he will be back after that 10-day period is up. So I ask you, Herb, uh, your thoughts on this, where it's merely speculating right now, but we might as well get it on record because this is a really significant injury, whether or not it's concocted uh, you know, uh, out of thin air or if it's a real concern here. Your level of concern, 1 to 10 on the Carlos Rodon shoulder fatigue news. If it was anybody else without the history that he has, I would say a 1. But since he does have shoulder injuries, shoulder uh, surgery in his past, I'd say a three. Remember his last start, lights out versus the Cubs. 11 strikeouts, I think only five innings pitched. Nine, yeah, Look, I think 89 pitches is where he was at on that one, which I thought it was odd at the time, but you knew that they're not going to you know, let him go over 100 just because why? So Yeah, and so, yeah, he, yeah, I think this, for the most part, is just another chance to get him some more rest. Remember that start versus the Cubs, why it's so good, because he got like six days rest off of that start that he had in Kansas City the week before. I think this is a way to slow down his innings because he's pitching a lot of innings this year, 
more than he's done in a lot of, a long time. I think a hundred, let's see, 109 pitches up to this point. And remember, he's been out since 2019. Well, he pitched a little bit last year in the end of the year, but for the most part, he is not this guy who's going to give you 200 innings. I think his most in his career is somewhere around, let's see, 165 in his second year of Major League Baseball. So, yeah, he'll surpass his probably his most, his second most and third most in his rookie year and his fourth year of 139 and 120, respectively. And they're probably just trying to pump the brakes on him pitching so many innings because he's coming off the Tommy John and also having a great year and a little fatigue. You see the month of August, he wasn't as good or the month of July and the beginning of August wasn't as good as he was before that. I'm going to put my level of concern right now at, at a solid five, not panicking, but I'm not just quickly writing this off as, oh, you know, yeah, they're just resting them up. They're gaming the system here. And, you know, we, but we do know they want rest for all their guys and they're going to go and and get that rest by any means that they can get that. So, but the history does concern me here. And the the fact that we have not seen Carlos Rodon for a healthy entire season, many times in his white Sox tenure. And also you mentioned, you know, the short season last year and the injury he had last year. And I worry about a lot of the guys, not just on the Sox, but around the league and how their arms are going to respond uh, after ramping back up to a full season after what they did last year. So I'm, I'm always concerned when you talk about a shoulder. So we'll see how it plays out. They can certainly uh, withstand the injury for, let's be honest, for for a while probably. I'm sure they mm-hmm. could get by until the end of the regular season, uh, You know, assuming there's no ridiculous collapse here. I don't foresee one coming, but they can withstand this for, for quite a while. So hopefully uh, they said he's going to go back to Chicago instead of going to uh, Iowa uh, for the Field of Dreams game. He's going straight back to Chicago. Then he'll rest up there, and uh, we'll see where we're at with it. So this is not uh, – I wouldn't put my level of concern very high right now because you don't have to be concerned right now. Right now you just take it for what it is, which is the 10-day stint retroactive. So we'll, we'll see where we're at in a few days. Um, and also, Yasmani Grandal. So we, we bounce it out with some bad news to with some good news. Yasmani Grandal is going to begin his rehab assignment down in A Birmingham. So that's good. The the catcher play of late. Oh, boy. And mm. uh, we, were, we were touting Sebi for a while there. But, you know, after that uh, rough game he had on Tuesday evening where mm-hmm. we wouldn't even talk about that really in terms of what happened with Dallas Keuchel but you know he did not have a great game behind the dish so uh, it'll be a, a welcome welcome addition when Yasmani comes back and I think a lot of the folks who were sort of had this anti-Yasmani Grandal agenda for whatever reason and I, I kind of get it but uh, they're gonna remember what it was like having a, a real one back there you know and also uh, the bat in the lineup uh, should do uh, do wonders for this lineup and you won't have a game like you had yesterday where you couldn't even scratch out a run with with your B squad so and I and I know uh, Bailey Ober pitched it well again uh, but we're not going to get too much into this game because it's irrelevant you know the fact is no one got hurt during that game Craig Kimbrell got a little bit of work in there looked fine and uh, it is what it is so you you have your 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 squad ready and rested up with Lance Lee on the bump tonight in Dyer's Vilberg Townville, <laughs> Dyersville, Iowa. And to just give an update, and we're recording this at nine o'clock on Wednesday evening. Yasmani Grandal just walked. Ooh. He is two for three with a walk and a RBI single. So he's doing well for himself. 
Is he catching or is he DHing or what are he's they doing? De- he is a designated hitter tonight. Okay, all right, yeah. So there you go. So yeah, well, put him on ice uh, and you know circle back around in about a month and uh, let me know how he's doing if you can do that. I, actually, with all the other guys, I would love to ha- make that happen. So uh, yeah, that we're not going to talk about this game too much because we have a mailbag to get into. We'll take a quick timeout and on the other side, we'll open up the mailbag next here on Locked On White Sox. This episode of Locked On White Sox is brought to you by our friends at RockAuto.com. You know, with all the ever increasing makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts your car is ever going to need. So why endure the often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning, like is your car an LX or an EX? Well, I don't know. Let me go out and look. And why wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brand that their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Look, the reality is when you go to rockauto.com and find your auto parts there, you're going to save time and money when you use our friends at Rock Auto. So why choose to pay 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts at a chain store or God forbid your dealership? For example, the Honda Odyssey fuel pump, $353 at a chain store, but only $216 at rockauto.com. See what I'm talking about? And they're a family business serving do-it-yourselfers like you and I for over 20 years. Rock Auto's prices are always going to be reliably low for every single customer. And they've got everything too. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. I know I'm hitting the road soon going up north. I'm going to check and make sure my car has everything it needs. And I'm going to do that by going to rockauto.com. Check them out. Won't you explore their easy to use website and find the solution for your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in their how'd you hear about us box. So they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. This episode of Locked On White Sox is brought to you by a new friend. It's our friends at Wild Alaskan. We all know we should be eating more fish to get our omega threes and protein, but the seafood counter can be intimidating at times. Which fish tastes the best? What type of cut? Can you really be sure about the quality? Well, Wild Alaskan Company takes the guesswork out of buying wild-caught seafood. Wild Alaskan Company delivers high-quality, sustainably sourced, wild-caught seafood right to your door. Choose from salmon, whitefish, or a combination. And every month, there are different specials to explore. Each shipment contains premium, wild-caught, individually-wrapped portions of delicious seafood that's ready to prepare and easy to cook that really sounds delicious especially this summer throw some salmon on the grill folks there's nothing better i'm telling you wild alaskan company seafood is how nature intended it to be always wild never farmed or modified and it contains no antibiotics you can adjust pause or cancel your membership at any time and they offer 100 satisfaction guaranteed or your money back get your nutrition from nature with wild alaskan company and right now for our locked on white Sox listeners you can get 15 dollars off your first box of premium seafood when you visit wild alaskan company company.com slash MLB. That's wildalaskancompany.com slash MLB for $15 off of your first box. Should we open the aforementioned bag, Herb? Let's do it. A lot of emails. We're going to try to get to some. There's another email. I love email. Mercy. Hawk loves emails. You love emails. I love emails. You guys, let's be honest. You love sending them. You love listening to them, whether it's voicemail, email. How can the Locked on White Sox podcast listener get an email read on the program so we can talk to the people, reach out, touch the flesh? How can they do that? Don't do that too much. Uh, LockedOnSox at gmail.com. LockedOnSox at gmail.com for your emails or 
87274, your voicemails. All right, first one coming in here is from Mike. Mike says, Chris and Herb just discovered your outstanding podcast and have become a regular listener. (laughs) Um, I've been a Sox fan for 50 years and have enjoyed many different announcer styles and personalities. Uh Uh-oh, I think I know where this is going. Uh, I really appreciate announcers that make the game the center of focus, not themselves. I watch a game and rely on the announcers to provide meaningful input at the appropriate times. I have no problems with moments of silence until there is something meaningful to share. I enjoy the silent time so I can form my own thoughts about the game. I find that Jason has a need to fill those moments of silence with a heavy dose of stats or attempts to start bantering with Steve. Can you believe that? Her talking to his partner, by God. Uh, Jason has impressive baseball knowledge, strong presence, and a great voice. While I enjoyed Jason when he started, now I find listening to him sometimes exhausting. Listening to the others during his absence will make it more difficult when Jason returns from the Olympics and hopefully fully recovered from COVID. I know he is new to this level and hope that he will learn and adjust like all the other greats did over decades of becoming a master of their craft. Is it just me, or do others have a similar opinion? Thank Thanks. That's from Mike, and we thank Mike for uh, reaching out with the email today. Yeah, what do you think? I, I've I've heard some of this uh, uh, anti Benetti stuff. I, I'm a Benetti fan. I'll, I'll just I'll leave it at that. But uh, what do you what do you make of this stuff when you see people uh, say things like this about our broadcast, which is one of the best local broadcasts in any sport, any market? Yeah, and it's a acquired taste. Some people are older school, and they like more. Hey, give me what's happening in the game. Don't be trying to chum it up. Don't be trying to make jokes. Don't be trying. Like, I think Jason and Steve have the perfect chemistry. They're, Steve's got a cerebral wit, and Jason plays right into it. It's more of a talk show. I think Danny Parkins and Matt Spiegel say this on their show all the time. Like, it's a great talk show. It's a great, uh, like, entertaining show where they had to, a couple years ago, give just – stats because or give anecdotes because that baseball team was crap they haven't stopped that you know the team is a little bit better so the action is a little bit better for you as the viewer i understand some of my friends do not like jason and his style and what stoney brings as far as what the banter he has with jason i love it i've been watching baseball around the league since i got this mlb.tv uh, package the only other crew that I would say that's on par with them is the San Diego crew. Of course, I love the Padres. Don Diego and Mud Grant are awesome. They have that same type of banter, same type of fun. That's what I want. You, as a listener, if you hear me and Tanny having fun and smiling, you can hear the smiles through the radio or through the, your device. You're like, oh, my God, those guys are having such a great time. I don't even care what the content is. I want to listen to them. Because they're having a joyous time. And that's why I feel Jason and Steve are doing. And I, even if I didn't know both those guys individually, I want to be there listening, viewing that fun time that they're having. And even the bad years, I was like, this is a good show. This is a good time for me to watch these guys have a good time because this game is crap. Yeah, and I am strictly I, I I have no dog in this fight. I am unbiased. Chris Tannehill loves it more than anything in the world. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> but I I think when you look at this stuff, it, Mike, you're you're talking about 162 games where where you're with your your partner, 
and you're following a team every day and it does kind of get monotonous. So I, you know, some people have, have called it the, you know, the Jason and Stoney, you know, talk show. I like that element of it. You know, we're, we're radio guys. So we, we dig when you, we know that chemistry is hard you know, you can't manufacture it. Sometimes it just happens organically and other times it just, it, it, it's developed over years and years of, of people working together. But, you know, Jason and Stoney seem to have had it since day one. Uh, you know, that they, they'll, they won't say that, but it was pretty damn close uh, to being good as soon as Jason stepped in that booth, in my opinion. And I, and I get what you're saying about the less is more approach, because you're going to hear a lot of that tonight. Um, with with Joe Buck, who a lot of people do not like, but I I really enjoy because he he you know is not afraid to let the pictures tell the story, and that works because he only does one maybe two games a week for Fox for a national audience. So that's another thing I think of when I think about this is who is your target audience, and you know you're, you're when you're doing a local baseball broadcast and you're doing it for 162 games, you're with your target local Chicago. White Sox fan audience. So you want that vibe where you feel like you know them and, and they know the fan base because I, I, I think they do. And, you know, some jokes you even go over my head sometimes, you know, but that's OK. Not everything is for me. So I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way. But I think they're they're really funny together. And, you know, baseball games, let's face it, in, in this day and age, they can be long, often boring with lots of inactivity. Uh, in between pitches. So I think they do a good job of, of keeping a, a, the game going along at a good pace. Uh, even if they can't control the pace of the, of the play on the field, they, they, could, they have a good pacing uh, when, with their candor. So I, I enjoy the broadcast a lot. I think we're lucky as Sox fans to have them. Uh, but having said that, I think Mike Monaco did a good job as well. But, you know, uh, it just goes to show you, man. I mean, we, we miss Jason and can't wait till he gets back there. Um, but, you know, when you have Steve Stone there, He's going to make everyone sound great, obviously, you know, and that's an, an immense luxury that we have, too. I think we take Stoney for granted, too, but I enjoy the broadcast a lot, and I'm sorry Mike doesn't enjoy it as much, and I know there's other people out there that have said the same. Uh, I, I don't think it's a majority opinion, uh, but it certainly uh, is their opinion, and I appreciate that, and everyone's entitled to one. And, yeah, uh, it's not right or wrong, mine yeah. or yours, uh, Mike. It's We appreciate you uh, listening. We appreciate you watching their show, their game. But, you know, you don't have to be a fan of their what they do to enjoy what the White Sox do. Uh, here's the next one coming in here. This is uh, Mike. Oh, Mike Anger and Stockton Anger. So we got a tandem here uh, checking in. Uh, Tanny and Herb. First, I've been a longtime listener since the beginning. Living in Salt Lake, I've listened to David Locke for years. David Locke is the one who runs the Locked On Network. He, is, he does the Utah Jazz games for anyone who doesn't know. Um, since he started his podcast network, I was so excited when the Locked On Podcast Network expanded and both of you started the Locked On White Sox. I'm a White Sox fan because I needed to choose a team that I could follow and watch growing up. Salt Lake City has no baseball team. And whoa, I would whoa, 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 whoa. The buzz, calm down. They do. Major League 3 taught us that. Oh, you're going Major League Three. We're going to have a rough ride here when we talk baseball movies. I have not seen <laughs> Major League Three. Was that the Scott Bakula one? That was yeah. He was the yeah. Back to the, the minors, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh yeah, it's going to be rough. All right, so they've got no baseball team there in Salt Lake, and he would watch baseball any chance he could get. Back in the day, there were only three teams that were on my TV on a regular basis: Cubs on GN, Braves on TBS, and the Sox would get a game about once a week. The old Saturday night. Uh, WGN broadcast. Love those. Uh, I hated Harry Carey. I hated the Braves. And the best option was the Hawk. 
Love that man. I am 47 and my son is 23. Anyways, I'll be in Chicago this week with my son for the Yankees and the series versus the A's. And I've never been to the park before. So my question is this. Number one, let's just break this down one by one. He's got five questions here. What mm-hmm. are the things, and, I, and forgive us if, if you are a longtime listener and you have heard us answer this question before because we, we get questions about food and things to do at the park a lot. But because one person's asking it, that means that a lot of you probably haven't heard it. So we're going to go ahead and do it. Uh, number one, what are things that a diehard Saks fan should see at Guaranteed Rate Field, Herb? Um, I would definitely go to the statue in front of the building, see Yuan Uribe catch, <laughs> see all the bricks out there, all the people who've uh, made messages to their family or dedicated to their family members, a brick in front of the building. I like to go to the, pavil- the pavilion. I guess it's the concourse out there in the outfield to see all the statues they have, the fists, the T- Frank Thomas, Harold Baines, Paulie. Paul Conurco, new one. So, yeah, there's another one I'm missing. Uh, uh, Charles Comiskey's out there, of course. The well, old, it's, we're going to be talking about him a little bit. The L- Louis Saparicio and Nelly Fox, one that doesn't get talked about a lot. They're throwing the, the, the turning the double play out there in the outfield as well. Like, yeah, there's a lot of great statues out there. That's a good call. Uh, sorry, I cut you off there. And uh, just like, you know, the main draw, I think, for most fans at guaranteed rate is the food and drink options. So go and check out whatever food you like they have great hot dogs great polish great italian sausage get some onions on it i don't know if you've ever had it out there in salt lake city but uh italian sausage with the works grilled onions get some sauerkraut on that if you like that and go and see our guy benny he's i think behind section 132 (laughs) ben rosen yeah so Go to section 132. He has some Italian sauces there for you. Tell him to put it, put everything on it. If you want to go and do a combo, do it. But get some of that. I know Tanny, he's got his suggestions. Yeah. You, I like that, to get my pulled pork sandwich, which mm. now costs like $15. It used to be cost $10. But now people got a wind of it and knew what, that I liked it. So Your fault. Yeah. They've, they've raised up the price. Our guy, Carl Martinez, hipped, it to, hipped us to that. Yeah. But, of course, go to Rev Brewing. They have a whole section up there right by the fundamentals deck you go up there and get a couple nice beers some sun crushers whatever you need or go down to the uh, bullpen sports bar now it's called the craft game so and get some beer selections that you don't usually get at a baseball game yeah if you go to that revolution uh, tap room there it's on the uh left field side behind the bullpen uh, you go upstairs and they have that machine now where you can make little figurines of yourself i need a little herb lawrence here on, on my desk uh, <laughs> i you, did like, see that you, those are pretty awesome i thought it yeah. was first when i first saw it i saw uh, len tweet a photo of him little miniature versions of him and dj and i was like oh this is like a cool giveaway that espn 1000 is doing and then i saw Alyssa bergamini she has a, a bunch of them in, in various sizes uh so i was like oh this is a thing that you can do at the park and we almost did it as a show uh with, with uh, danny parkins and matt spiegel and shane and we were, and i were out there a couple weeks ago we almost did that and had that but we didn't get a chance to get up there but that's something i want to do i need a little herb uh you know herb needs to go up here on my shelf here make sure but they it takes an actual like uh, 3d printout of what you're wearing too so herb when you do it i want to make sure you're wearing your lawrence jersey so i can recognize you here on my desk and on my shelf okay? i don't know how else you would know <laughs> I me know, exactly yeah um but uh, a thing to do look the the 
The G rate is not a particularly historical ballpark. I mean, there's certainly that you know they've there's been an All Star game there, World Series, perfect game. Um, so anything you can find to commemorate those things, like you know, to check out, it's it's unfortunate because the like the the coolest Hall of Fame stuff they have is actually in the Scout Seat Lounge, which I think is not a, yeah. a great place for it. It enhances the experience while you're down there, but I think people should be able to see that stuff. Like all the fans should be able to take a look at that stuff, and I don't know. A lot of the Reds or the Royals. Yeah, and I don't know if they move that stuff around, but like that was the first time I ever saw one of Ed's game worn jerseys was down there, and they have a bunch of old stuff from every era. They've got a bunch of stuff from Frank down there. Uh, it's really cool, but um, go check out the original home plate. This sounds like a silly thing, but the Comiskey Park original home plate is on the uh, it, it's just north of the of Thirty Fifth Street. It's by the Shy Sox Bar and Grill entrance there at that gate, it, right on the the lip of the parking lot. Here, I'm looking at a photo right now. Uh, you'll you'll see it. You know, it may be difficult depending on you know if you go after the game, it'll be harder to spot. But before the game, you could definitely see it. Uh, they've got the old Comiskey Park home plate there commemorated, and you can go there and, and look at it and and you know tap it with your foot. Like I always like to. Like whenever I see that home plate, I'm like, man, this is this is wild. Like I always think of all the great players who may have touched that. It could be a a, a replica that they put in there. Maybe it's just symbolic as to the spot that it was on. But I like to think of it as you know an actual connection to history that you can touch uh, with your with your hands or your feet or whatever. So I think that's one of the really cool things they have at the ballpark. But as far as food items. I always like to get uh, an elote, and it's uh, what a revelation now that you can pay with your with your debit card to get an elote. So awesome. Yeah, make sure you bring cash for the vendors though, uh, and the gals working the the stand, and the and the other gentlemen that are working the beer stand and stuff like that. And Ben Rosen, make sure you tip him handsomely. Uh, but yeah, make sure you get your elote. I my staple is is uh, one elote and. Uh, an order of sausage and peppers. I get a sausage and pepper sandwich with marinara. Yeah, with, with marinara sauce on there. Um, be careful of that sauce. Watch, you know, get get a bib or something. But yeah, that's my that's my go to thing every time I go. You know, just the, the you know you get the green peppers and onions on there, and it's just a, you'll you'll when that I, I'm looking forward to these guys going because the, that fragrance of the concourse. Uh, will will hit them like they should bottle up the uh, the the eau de concourse <laughs> and put and you know put it in a little bottle and I'd spray it all all around my house that's for sure so um, <laughs> uh, let's see moving on to the questions here uh, what is the best oh restaurants that they that they should eat so I'm assuming this is Chicago near the ballpark whatever uh, you know restaurants if you haven't been to Chicago before. You got to do a steakhouse, right? That's what people feel. You know, you, you think steak, you think pizza. I like to go to Gene and Giorgetti. It's downtown. It's not uh, particularly far from the ballpark. Um, but if you're going to be in downtown at all, go to Gene and Giorgetti. It's an old school Italian steakhouse. You know, type of place that Frank Sinatra went, and it's been there forever. And they survived COVID, thankfully. And uh, it's my favorite thing. They also have sausage and peppers. There is a great uh, hors d'oeuvre. Um, and uh, Chinatown, like if you're by the ballpark, stop by Chinatown, even if it's after the game, and those places mm-hmm. are open. Uh, get a get a late night meal there if they're open. And they also have like the the rolled ice cream there in Chinatown, especially if you're if you're going with your son. That's a fun thing to do after a game on a hot night because it's hot up it's hot up here, man, in Chicago this week. So. So we got a lot of rain. It's very humid. But, yeah, Chinatown, just any place in Chinatown, if you like Chinese food, uh, it's so close to the ballpark. Why not do it? And i got to show love to my uh, my guy, Chef Juan Kim, and his spot, Kimsky. 
which is on 31st Street, not far from the ballpark, and then also the adjacent Maria's Bar and Pizza Fried Chicken and Ice Cream. It's all in one spot there on 31st in uh, Halstead. Or, yes, on just west of Halstead. So uh, what about you, Herb, re- restaurant recommendations? Well, if you're by the ballpark, I know that you guys are not digging on it. And when I order for Pizza Friday, you guys are like, ugh. But me and my hey, guy, Connie's, Tommy Lasorda. Connie's Pizza. <laughs> rest in peace. Love Connie's Pizza. So go into the restaurant, have some of that Connie's Pizza. Or if you're in that area, too, Rick Benny's. Get yourself a bread, breaded steak oh, sandwich. Oh, yeah. That's a good call. Chris Tannehill brought me in one of those things. And I was like, all right, cool. And I was like, hey, man, why'd you bring me three? <laughs> it's the biggest thing I've ever eaten in my life. Just a big-ass breaded steak sandwich. It is delicious. You and your son will t- it'll fill up that whole Yankee series and that A's series <laughs> that you're going to go to the game yeah. for. Yeah, don't, so don't, get, awesome. don't get the large, man. Don't get the large sandwich. Just get the regular sandwich. Maybe cut it in half and split it between the two oh. of you just to get a little taste. So, Because if you eat it before the game, if you go there before the game, you'll you, be won't, sleep. you won't want to eat or do anything really. And it'll be hot. But yeah, Rick Benny's a great call. It's and that. then that's something that you can't get in Salt Lake either. Exactly. At all, I know you, and you can't get Gino Giorgetti's, but you can get a steak out there. But Gino Giorgetti's, that is such a clutch thing, Tanny. Like you introduced me to sausage and peppers, <laughs> I'd never had it before. Like I've heard it on a couple of <laughs> Italian movies, but when I had, it, I was like, okay, I get it, I I understand it. And like you said, it's an old school place where they like take the crumbs off of your uh, plate with a little like razor blade or whatever the hell that is. Yeah, it's weird. It's old. It's nice, though. Yeah, but you go in there, get a cocktail uh, on a Saturday night. The place is jumping. So, yeah. It's one I mean, of those places where they have older waiters because they pay them a good service and they make a good buck because they treat them right. So that's the places I like where the waiters are a little older. Waiters and waitresses are a little older because they this is their career. This is what they do. So tip them right. Yeah. And, you know, um, it, it, I don't often go to Pequod's for pizza. I, I love their pizza, but just because, like, the, it's – there's only the one there's two locations like it's not particularly convenient for me to get down there but i love their pizza um pequot's pizza you can't get deep dish out there and lou malnati's can never go wrong they're all over the place mm-hmm. uh so yeah i'm sure they're gonna do the pizza thing as well um question three what is the best place to purchase white Sox gear and here we go again uh we're gonna talk so- about talk about grandstand again we've been talking about them a lot and they hooked me up with the the Field of Dreams jersey the other day and the, my custom Ed Farmer jersey. And they are not a sponsor of the show, but Grandstand is just west of the ballpark on 35th Street, 35th and Wallace to be exact. They've got parking in the back, but in the alley there. And I'm telling you, if there's anything you ever wanted, White Sox gear, they've got it for you. And I'm just going to stop there. I think Herb would agree. Uh, yeah. You and know. <laughs> when you say hook you up, you pay for this stuff. Yeah. They, yeah. Just, they just, you know, they made the jerseys for you. Yeah. But and they did it pretty well, too. That, that Danny Parkins uh, Goodwin jersey that was made that day. Well, here's the funny thing: um, when we ordered up that that Brian Goodwin jersey, um, the the gal who uh, who is uh, I believe she's the daughter of of the guy who runs the the spot there. She's worked there forever, and it's a family run business. And they came out just to to say, hey, you guys were talking about us on the radio or whatever, and hopefully they'll hear us on the, on the podcast talking about it. But she was telling me she's like, yeah, we've been swamped lately because that was during the uh, the Indian series where uh, they had they had called up the center fielder. This was after some of the trades they made, and Cesar Hernandez go, comes over to the White Sox, but they had some new guys on their roster, and the Indians took their their jerseys and uniforms over to Grandstand to get their names and numbers applied to their jerseys there. So they do it for the White wow. Sox, but also 
for uh, the visiting teams in a pinch. And she was laughing because she was talking about the center fielder. I forgot this kid's name. Uh, but, like, yeah, we, like, we didn't have time to uh, stitch their jersey because there were so many of them that we had to do, and it was on a short time frame. So we basically had, like, an adhesive on there. So every time, like, he would go out there and make a play, we were hoping, like, no numbers or letters would fall off. And they did not. And I remember that kid made a couple nice plays out there in center field. I'm just forgetting his name right now. My internet's not cooperating. But, yeah, so they, they do the real jerseys for the teams when they're in town and the White Sox as well. So they, they always uh, hook it up. And with, as far as, like, you won't find a better selection there. So there they're ends the free commercial for Grandstand. But I've been going there since I was a kid. And, you know, if, if you're – anything you're looking for, White Sox, they've got it. Um, and uh, mention Chris Tan hill's name when you do (laughs) you might not get a a discount but you know yeah i think that might talking about you guys that may actually work and mention you know locked on socks podcast like not only the score but locked on socks podcast um question four any other suggestions of things we should take in we'll be there for all six games damn that money in salt lake (laughs) um yeah at the ballpark i don't know um Sit in different spots, like if you haven't got your tickets yet. See the different vantage points. You know that that's all I can recommend. You know, just walk around the concourse. That's my favorite thing about the ballpark is you can walk around the concourse and you won't lose sight lines of the game. Uh, if you have lower box seats, yes, 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 yes. So I, yeah, that that should be mentioned and noted. But yeah, I can't think of anything else that they should take in. I will respond with an email if I can think of something. But you, you got anything else that you can think of that they should do at the ballpark? At the ballpark itself, no. You should do all the stuff that we suggested. I mean, for me, guaranteed rate is a middle-of-the-road ballpark, but I love it because it's my team, and the beer and food selection is what I'm there for. Yep. The second, you know, the secondary thing, the game is the first. So it's a good ballpark. You'll enjoy yourself. The sight lines are pretty good. There's nothing obstructing your view. Just enjoy the people around there. If you're a big-time White Sox fan, everybody will embrace you with open arms. Talk to the good people who are sitting in those seats. Um, question five, we're staying in the city. Is it best to Uber to the game, get a car rental, or take public transportation? Public transportation. If you're in the city, wear your mask. Red line takes you right up to guaranteed rate. You're off the train, and you're at the ballpark like that. Uber is going to cost you a lot of money in a car. No. How about right now, car rentals? No. Ridiculous. Ta- taxi. Show love to our peoples uh, in the taxi world. Because like, like, the Uber, you know, they're kind of, they're, the rates have been kind of fluctuating because it's supply and demand situation. So I think one of the things you could do to surpass that is, uh, is you know, to see what how much it's going to cost you in a cab to get there. You know, I like, you know, I'm not a big fan of waiting on the on the L platform after a game with all those people. It's just not my thing, especially nowadays. Um, so if you know, it, but the red line is incredibly convenient depending on where you're staying in the city, obviously, and it, it's a short walk to the ballpark. So yeah, that's a good call. But yeah, and I forgot to also go if you're going down the grandstand, keep on walking down the street, go uh, east a little, west a little bit more. Go to Buffalo Wings and Rings. They've got a good food selection there, too. Oh, absolutely. How could we forget Buffalo Wings and Rings? They had the 108 broadcast there uh, last night, uh, and uh, we missed that. But uh, it looked like a lot of fun. Josh Nelson was out there from Sox Machine, and they were doing their thing. And, yeah, i got to get out to Wings and Rings. It's been far too long. It was always one of my favorite days when Wings and Rings would make the food drop when we had the Sox games on the score. So, yeah, uh, thank you for that. Of course, shout out to Wings and Rings. Uh, next one coming in, uh, we've got our guy here, Chuck from Buena Park, the one of the old heads who I always enjoy when he checks in. 
Hi, Herb and Chris. Could not resist putting my, my memories as a Sox fan about White Sox gimmicks. How appropriate with the Field of Dreams gimmick thing coming up here today. The cheesy, the good, and the ugly. My first vivid gimmick memory was at 10 years old, sitting in the back of my parents' hot car, annoyed by my brother and sister in the summer of 1959, and hearing on the car's radio that Fox and Aparicio, my baseball heroes, and... Uh, had been kidnapped by Martians. My father laughed and said nothing more. It did not make sense until I read the next day in the news that Bill Vec had a little person, uh, poor <laughs> poor Eddie Goodell, uh, again, dressed in a shiny faux spacesuit. Um, <laughs> lowered from a helicopter with a phony ray gun, taking them a short distance on the field and surprise made them honorary Martians because of their baseball prowess. That's awesome. I don't remember hearing about that. You know, I, I can. I think say- I saw it. Yeah, I think I saw it on like one of those baseball magazines that. Yeah, you know, Bill Vec was an innovator and used Eddie Goodell for multiple things. <laughs> well, that's good. Little person. Yeah, exactly. I went back and fixed that. Um, cheesy by 1950s science fiction movie standards, which. I as a child, I thought were neat. My favorite movie of the 50s was the one about the accidentally radiated grasshoppers from downstate uh, Department of Agriculture experiment who went north to Chicago to ravage it, but where it was defeated instead. Such a stunt to subject my heroes to. How dare Bill Veck? My 59 Sox who chased the hated Yankees and despite this nonsense actually caught them after a decade of frustration. The best gimmick was the exploding scoreboard introduced by the Sox in the early 60s. The only problem was the Sox hit so few home runs, I didn't see it go off until about five years after they put it in. What do you expect when Pete Ward was your power hitter? Leave it to those snotty Yankees to upstage the Sox by parading around in their dugout with sparklers and mockery of their first visit 35th Street after the installation. That's awesome, by the way. If they brought sparklers to mock the exploding scoreboard, uh, 59 Yankees, Moose had to have been on that team, right? So, <laughs> so you think, I got my banana split. <laughs> I got my sparklers. Uh, I could picture Mickey Mantle, you know, prancing up and down in the dugout with sparklers. Uh, that sounds funny. Uh, Barra and Mantle and your dopey picture on the front page of the daily news sports section. That's funny. Uh, the ugly is the one that needs no further commentary since it was the biggest embarrassment to the Sox since the 1919 Black Sox scandal. And that's, of course, Disco Demolition, which was a limited riot which caused the Sox to forfeit its first and hopefully last game. It was Mike Vec's brainchild and Bill's nightmare. Ugliness was compounded when someone in the marketing department in 2019 thought it would be a good idea to commemorate the disaster. Their efforts again backfired because the riot was not only a riot, but in light of 21st century norms, now a culturally insensitive riot. Enough said. Yeah, um, you know, we kind of look at things differently now in a 2021 lens. You know, I, I've, I've got a love for Steve Dahl. You know what I mean? So I look at it from that perspective, but I also mm-hmm. love uh, black music, you know, and, 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 you know, disco. Like it's not when people think disco, they, they just they think, you know, you know, burn, baby, burn and stuff like that. And like your your contemporary uh, of the time pop hits, you know, that you see shoehorned into movies and stuff like that, you know, stuff that becomes like a cartoon of disco. But there's actually a lot of like I love, you know. Uh, you know, hip hop music. So there's a lot of like drum breaks in there and influences that are there and stuff mm-hmm. that I like and soul influence in there that I dig. I did dig all that, but I also dig Steve Dahl. And I don't believe at the time he was doing something with malicious intent, but I think no, it, it was it's aged like, poorly, I would say. Yeah. I mean, disco was the pop music of the time that yeah. people might have been thinking at that time was a little overdone. It was like uh, overproduced. And even like, you know, people who would rather 
do disco than rock type of thing. And he was running, he was yeah. doing rock shows. So yeah, I understood. Yeah. And yes, I, under the lens of what it is now, I can understand if people think that had some racial overtones, but knowing Steve, knowing what he's done in his career, you know, I didn't think necessarily it had it, but maybe there is something there. But did you know that Eddie Goodell is buried right here in our fair city? Well, Evergreen Park. And I did not know that. No. I mean, he's, yeah, he's not he's not with us, friends. He died in 1961. But no, yeah, yeah. he's got a he's got a cemetery uh, stone out there in St. Mary's. Huh. Interesting. Um, are you, uh, you know, are the are you running the uh, the Eddie Goodell uh, in- Information Society here or what? Uh, how did you know I, that so quickly? How did you I have was that? Just, I was just looking him up. Oh, OK. <laughs> while, I was, while, while I was looking up, uh, looking him up and looking at that picture. Yeah, he did a lot that year. Yeah. Um, and uh, finally, here we come to the field of dreams. Uh, Chuck says uh, the Sox will probably be playing the snotty Yankees along with equally snotty Red Sox in the playoffs. But this time with a team that can hit as well as pitch, as long as no Sox are injured, it will not be ugly. Even if we lose the game, I would prefer in light of the circumstances to face those obnoxious pinstripes at a full house on 35th Street, but another gimmick instead. Um, my hope is that the game is a sweetly cheesy game in which the Sox beat the Yankees on the way to the 2021 World Series Championship, in which we smash the Yankees, Boston, and in memory of the 1959 Sox, the arrogant Dodgers. Nelly and little Louie, you will be avenged. Keep up the good work, Chuck and Buena Park. That's good stuff right there, Chuck. Uh, whiteboard and some of the history, stuff that I didn't know I had forgotten about the alien thing, and uh, certainly... Um, you know, we're, we're looking forward to Field of Dreams here, and we and we love the, the the you know the White Sox odd and weird history of promotions is certainly one uh, that that runs deep, and it's it's nothing new, and it's kind of why you know the, this franchise is a bit different, and why the fans are a bit different because of the, some of the odd things along the way. So I appreciate it for one, but yeah, you certainly there's a lot of them in there that are kind of kind of cringy, but uh, you know some of them in a fun way though. Um, next up here, before we get to a timeout, we're gonna unpack the movie Field of Dreams. And we're gonna tell you we're your we're your movie authority. I don't know if you guys knew that, uh, but uh, we will tell you whether or not uh, it is actually good. And you guys weighed in on a Twitter poll this morning, and I'll reveal the results of that uh, as well. Uh, but we do have one voicemail here that's going to set up that topic, and it's of course uh, it's coming in here from our guy who really uh, supports the show uh, a lot, and we appreciate him for it. Coming in from the nine two zero. Hey guys. Zach Byrne up here in Wisconsin. I have an unpopular hey, opinion, I'm sure. Eight Men Out is a better baseball movie than Field of Dreams. Love the show, guys. Take care. Bye. Thank you, Zach, for checking in as always. Um, it, yeah, we're going to get to some baseball movies next year after after a, a quick timeout here. Uh, but I think that sets up the next segment perfectly. And we've already got enough for a full show, but we're going to do some bonus content here uh, because it is a big day, the Field of Dreams day, and we'll break that game down and recap it tomorrow. But uh, after, this quick, after a quick timeout, we will let you know definitively whether or not Field of Dreams is, in fact, good. That's next here on Locked on White Sox. This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by Bet Online. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. You can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC 
MMA action. You guys know me. I've talked about this many times before. I love going to bet online and checking out some of the futures bets they have, but not just for sports. The Emmys are coming up in September, just about a month away here, and you can place a bet on who's going to win best comedy series. Right now, Ted Lasso is your favorite in minus 1,500. Other shows on here. Man, I really haven't seen a lot of these shows. I've heard a lot of great things about hacks. I'm going to be checking the head out. But you can place a bet on whatever your favorite show is. Cobra Kai. If you got some dark horse picks here like Emily in Paris at plus 3,300, you can place your bet at Bet Online. What about best drama series? The Crown, odds-on favorite at minus 1,200. How about The Handmaid's Tale? Bridgerton. Mandalorian. Lovecraft Country. This is us. These are all things you could bet on for the 2021 Emmys. And yes, if you're asking, you can still bet on who's going to be the first celebrity abducted by aliens. <laughs> right now, Elon Musk is actually the odds on favorite at plus 1400. Donald Trump coming in at plus 1600 and Joe Rogan also at plus 1600. So you can place your bet there for who will be first to be abducted by aliens at bet online. Great stuff going on there. So before the first pitch or whatever it is you're going to bet on, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or your mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, folks. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the postseason. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And don't forget our promo code, Locked On at Bet Online. Field of Dreams was corny and required a massive suspension of disbelief. But it worked because in the end it was about baseball and about fathers and sons. When my wife and I went to see it, she leaned over to me near the end and said, if you cry at the end of this, I'll divorce you. Any man who doesn't cry at dad, want to have a catch, just doesn't get baseball or life. For the record, it took a while, but she did divorce me. I'm John Feinstein. Betting on baseball doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Bet Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by the Bet Online, brought to you by BetOnline.ag wherever you get. So we talked about it on the show yesterday. It would be a good time to talk about the movie Field of Dreams. There's been a lot of talk about it, a lot of over love, a lot of hype. And I'm sure if you've never seen the movie, if you're if you're someone who's naturally cynical, you've probably had it. You're probably sick of hearing about this damn movie already and probably don't understand what the fuss is about. And uh, I, I get a lot of that. And uh, Herb's got some opinions here. But I went ahead, Herb, last night after we did the show. Mm -hmm. After we did our recap, I stayed up late. Usually I like to go straight to bed, put the pot of coffee on for the next morning and, and, and call it a night. But I decided to rent Field of Dreams. And I hadn't seen it in at least 10 years. But mm -hmm. it was available to rent in 4K, so I've got my nice little setup down here uh, with my sound system and my nice TV. So I was like, you know what, let's let's truly immerse ourselves in the movie experience of Field of Dreams as we look ahead to the Field of Dreams game in Dyersville, Iowa. So uh, I wanted to know if this movie is actually good, all right? So I'll get your opinion on this in a second, and we will reveal 
uh, whether or not the the movie is actually good according to the Locked On Sox Twitter follower standards. Uh, but I just want to go over some of the finer things uh, of this movie here. I took some notes, but Herb, tell me, you're, without saying whether or not it is actually good, uh, if you can kind of uh, veil your 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 big reveal until the end of what we're talking about. But your you know association with Field of Dreams, had you seen it? Have you seen it recently? Um, in terms of how it's viewed in popular culture, do you think it's overloved? Well, where are you at on Field of Dreams, generally speaking? Field of Dreams is probably one of my favorite baseball movies. And I understand why people do not like it or think it is very cheesy and off and the suspending of disbelief it just continues forever with that movie. I understand. But I like baseball. I like the White Sox, and that's the center focus of this movie. Kevin Costner usually does good movies, but in that time of the time of his career, when he wasn't having sex allegedly with baseball players' wives, <laughs> he was really good at doing movies. <laughs> and who doesn't love James Earl Jones? Classic actor, Burt Lancaster, Frank Whaley, an awesome cast. We had uh, a, a nice I mean, I think you guys had on the, the, the dad who was a really short character, like it, at the end of the movie, that was all that he did. Dwyer Brown was his name. And not this is not my big fact, but Kevin Costner is older than Dwyer Brown, who played his dad in the movie. <laughs> Understandably, because Dwyer Brown was supposed to be a young version of his dad. Yeah, and so his dad in the movie, uh, the, as the story goes, grew up a White Sox fan. So that is your entry point there. And then you have Shoeless Joe Jackson there as, as the connection, and all things start to build from there. But he, this guy was a White Sox fan back in the yards. Uh, so. Hey, Sacks, wait, Sacks. <laughs> hey, Jagoff. Um, yeah, so <laughs> he's a White Sox fan, uh, Ray Kinsella's father, uh, and a, a war veteran, I believe, uh, as, as was said in the movie. And, you know, I, I, let me just quick notes here that I have. I've got some good, I got some bad, but let's talk about baseball movies in general. I will say Field of Dreams is not my favorite baseball movie. Let's look at it just purely baseball movie and let's not hold it to the standard of some what of our, our favorite movies are. Okay, let's sort of mm -hmm. put this in its baseball movie category where, where it rightfully uh, belongs. Um, other great baseball movies uh, that I like better then Field of Dreams, I like Major League a hell of a lot better. Major League mm -hmm. to me, and even though I'm going to you know, break my own standards here, but in terms of comedy movies, it's one of the funniest movies that, that I've ever seen And you know, because baseball just lends itself to that, that type of uh, absurdity and humor. So that's why I like Major League. It's, probably, it's my favorite baseball movie easily. It's one of my favorite comedies ever. It's a better movie than Field of Dreams. I think I could and say And it that. has a great ending, too, where the White Sox beat the Indians. They didn't show it, but... The White Sox did beat the Indians that That's year. right. They they mentioned it in Major League Two, right? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, they, they they you know of course you know trying to trying to bury the White Sox in, in history there a very very slick move maneuver there by the uh, the screenwriters there to to conceal the White Sox uh, as being the dominant team at the time. And of course you have Jack Parkman, uh, legend in Major League Two, but uh, Bull Durham, a better baseball movie than Field of Dreams, in my opinion. Um, just, also starring Kevin Costner. Yeah. Um, now here's where we get to the tricky part. Um, Moneyball is a very, it's a damn good movie. I've only seen it once in the theater when it came out, but I, I loved it a lot. Uh, and if you're wondering, I've got some uh, Rotten Tomato scores here for these movies. Moneyball's at a 94, Bull Durham's at a 97, and Major League, of course, at an 83. So uh, y y your thoughts on Moneyball in terms of, it's, you know, 
enough time has passed, about 10 years, I think. Where do you rank that in, in terms of your favorite baseball movies? I think it's pretty high up there for me. Yeah, every time I watch it, I mean, every time it comes on, I watch it. But every time I watch it, I'm like, they had Zito, Hudson, and Mulder. <laughs> Not a mention of any of those three guys. You're channeling your inner Hawk right now. That's what when Hawk would talk about Billy Bean and Moneyball, what they neglected to mention. They had one of the best pitch staffs in all baseball for years. Uh, yeah, that, that, and that's Billy Koch, who was out of the top of his game. And I think uh, uh, Miguel Tejada was doing things and played by Royce Clayton in the movie also egregious <laughs> yeah uh what's going on there friends um next one on my list here just these are you know right now the i don't have anything on this list uh better than uh, than field of dreams so i think i have field of dreams at about number four my favorite baseball movies but sandlot you know cult classic of our generation because i know myself I, you grew up and it's on cable and it came out i think think of 1993 ish it came out so i'm like 10 years old so you're right around the age range of the kids in the movie so you immediately love it um it's got dennis leary in it which is a plus but ultimately not a great movie not no. not yeah it's fine um, it gets that's and the ending is really shitty because Smalls grows up to be a play-by-play announcer who doesn't have a microphone. He doesn't <laughs> talk into the goddamn microphone when Benny Rodriguez. Another problem is pinch hit, pinch running on third base. Like so, you make it all the way to the major leagues, and what they give you is a pinch running opportunity to steal home and win the game. That's weird. It's just very odd. Like have him go you know, stretch enough single into a double. Like, oh, man, he, yeah. he actually got a hit. That's great. Yeah. Man, Benny Rodriguez. Born on third base, that bad Benny the Chet Rodriguez, <laughs> and act like he hit a triple. Um, I'm pedantic, so this, this, the movies I'll find problems with all the time, and that's my uh, my tease for this Field of Dreams uh, thing uh, I'm going to be very pedantic about. Sandlot has a, a 63% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, the Natural, an 82% rating. I've only I've maybe seen it once all the way through. Way, I've way. never seen The Natural. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I, I get it, though. Yeah, of course. I get it. It's got all the baseball lore and and you know and all that stuff in there and things that are still referenced today in modern baseball popular culture. Wonder Boy and the music from the Natural is certainly iconic. And Redford at that time was uh, unstoppable. And you get down to movies like Mr. Baseball, which you know I have no particular reverence for. It's it's not particularly high rated on on Rotten Tomatoes. I believe it's in the sixtieth. Uh, you know, no, not even. I got I don't have a number here, but it's not. It's very low on the list. Uh, Frank Thomas is in it though, so that yes. automatically gets a bump. He, but in a Yankee uniform, but disgusting um a league of their own which is a pretty damn good movie of in a really solid comedy uh i don't think i have it better than field of dreams that's a 79 percent rating on rotten tomatoes a very solid movie came out around the same time as the sandlot watched it a lot on hbo as a kid uh you know home from uh, on summer vacation but yeah a very funny movie which i enjoy tom hanks is just awesome in that movie um eight men out Mm-hmm. which is another damn good movie. And I think I have this one ahead of Field of Dreams as well because this, this cast is remarkable. Of course, D.B. Sweeney, who you got a chance to meet relatively recently, Charlie Sheen uh, is in it. John Cusack is in it. A really solid cast with a – Don Mahoney. Yeah, who, who plays the manager. A really solid portrayal of, of the events as close to accurate as as possible. Uh, but, yeah, that's it's a, it's a much truer – even though you feel the dreams is not a, a retelling of the, the Black Sox scandal, but if you want an in-depth movie with some solid performances uh, about the Black Sox scandal, Eight Men Out, I think pretty damn good for baseball movie standards. That's an 86 rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And if you guys didn't know, one of the people we hear from often here on this program of Locked on Sox, 
Bill Walton's favorite character might be in that movie. His name is Studs Circle. He plays a writer. That's right. Yeah. So on Studs Circle's bridge, he plays not himself because he's not that old. Rest in peace. But he does play a writer. He's uh, the main character or the guy who wrote this this uh, this uh, screenplay sales. He is the main um, journalist in the movie. And his sidekick is Studs Terkel in Eight Men Out. If you guys have ever watched that movie, that is Studs. It's a solid, not Adam Studzinski, Terkel. Uh, yeah. There's your Adam Studzinski message on the show for the first time. Um, Bad News Bears, the original one, a 97% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Just absolutely hilarious. A lot of it, uh, it you know, it doesn't age, you know, it ages kind of poorly. But a lot of it's still pretty damn funny. I got to be honest with you. Uh, and it's really, yeah, I guess it's a baseball movie, but it's more of like a, you know, uh, uh, the dynamic between Walter Matthau and the kids, like the juxtaposition of the of the two, you know, but they just use baseball to tell the vehicle. And I guess a lot of these movies are in that vein where you're telling a story through, via baseball. Um, and uh, just an honorable mention here, 37% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, Robert De Niro, Wesley Snipes, the fan. <laughs> you know how I love this movie so much. Yes, it's- I've never seen the movie. <laughs> I, it's uh, Robert De Niro's obsessive fan and yeah. Wesley Snipes is a Giants player. Is that what yeah, Wesley, Wesley Snipes is uh, – there's a lot of Barry Bonds parallels because this came around out around the same like mid-90s. You know the the age of like the athletes are finally starting to get money, and you know that the, here's your avatar of your greedy athletes and this and that, and you know fans around the country are starting to lose touch with their favorite players and teams, and it becomes more about a business. Wesley Snipes comes over from the Atlanta Braves. He plays Bobby Rayburn. Um, comes over from the Braves, signs with the Giants, and uh, you know he gets off to a tough start and. And Robert De Niro is an obsessive fan who takes it to the next level. And there's a lot of great quotes and a lot of great – a young Benicio Del Toro's in this movie. Mm. Um, you know, So in, it's interesting. It's really dark, and it's totally – this. you talk about suspending belief, uh, suspending dis- disbelief. Um, there's more of that in The Fan, I think, than even in Field of Dreams. So it goes to show you how absurd this movie is. But definitely give it a spin. Uh, don't go into it thinking that it's great, but definitely just check it out for my sake because there's a lot of great lines in that movie. Uh, Robert De Niro plays a knife salesman, uh, goes door to door selling knives. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, so which leaves us to, to Field of Dreams here. So you, you've heard it, it's competition, it, it's contemporaries of baseball movies. So I think it stacks up pretty favorably with an 87% rating on Rotten Tomatoes uh, with, with the other ones that I've mentioned. So my notes here, we, we mentioned Ray Kinsella's dad being a sax fan, uh, back in the yards. Um, mm-hmm. When I look at Ray Kinsella, the character played by Kevin Costner, this is just your classic boomer right here. This is a guy who's got it all. He's got great land, great great home, beautiful family, uh, not a care in the world. He's only 36 years old. This is like that old economy Steve meme, which I don't know if you've ever seen that one, Herb. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or it's like, you know, graduates high school, uh, immediately gets a high paying job, you know, or immediately buys a house. Like, you know, people that, that grew up like, in the, you know, uh, that became adults during the Reagan era and you know uh, you know there's a lot there but you look at Frank Kinsella not happy with his life 
you know, doesn't want to grow up to become his dad. He's getting old and blah, blah, blah. Doesn't appreciate his dad, even though, you know, he's uh, a war hero and served our country. And he clearly left him a well-adjusted man because he's got a great family and he's got a great house. So, but he's not appreciative because he's a classic boomer. And what, what do boomers do? And how do they act? They are, they are, they, they, they love making it about themselves. Mm -hmm. So, so that's why he decides, you know what? I'm going to sell this farm. I'm going to sell what's putting food in our mouths and clothes on my kids' back. Let's get rid of it because I feel like, you know, I, I feel like I should. And I mean, my life isn't fulfilled, uh, even though I have a great family. But they, they, so they get this house with the farm at 36. Like, I don't know who decides to buy a farm at 36 if you're not. Uh, a, a farmer? Yeah, I don't know what's going on there, friends. Um, uh, who a does, lot of acreage too. Who, who, who does that? Yeah, I heard Dan Bernstein make the point earlier today on the score that how how bad of a farmer are you if you plow out the the space to make your baseball field and all of a sudden you're 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 decimated financially and you have all that land around you. Which I thought was a fair point. I don't know if he was citing something that maybe Craig Calcaterra had said or somebody else had, 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 had said, but it's pretty damn funny. Um, so he hears this voice in his head. Uh, you know, if you build it, they will come. You ever hear a voice in your head, Herb? All the time. It's on my own. What Talk it, to myself. Getting answers too, friends. What does it say? Oh, you're great, friends. Are you like Fernando, or not Fernando Rodney, but uh, uh, Jose Valverde out there? You're talking to yourself and getting the answers. <laughs> He's got a piano on his back and playing it. <laughs> yeah. Well, All these Farmio-isms. And, you know, when you talk about, you know, voices in your head, I, I never heard, I've never had a voice in my head that, that doesn't say something like, you ain't shit. <laughs> You're a piece of trash. Why is he whispering to you though? <laughs> well, that's that's the voice in the movie whispering. So that's clearly a voice in his head. But yeah, that that's my voice. My voice is always whispering at me, saying stuff like that. You're you ain't shit. You're fat piece of trash. Um, and you're not, you're not good. You're not good at anything. Um, Dick, to stop talking to you like that. <laughs> hey, it's what it is. I can't control it. Just like Ray Kinsella couldn't control the voice. I, I just walk around and, and I ask why. What do what do you mean? I'm a piece of trash. Why? Um, I don't know if you can. Build Build a baseball field in their backyard. It's decent size, but not that big. I cannot. I definitely have to tear down the garage, um, and that's my only hiding place here lately. Here, um, but he's obviously got some daddy issues. Ray Kinsella. Uh, he hates his dad for no real reason other than the fact that this guy, you know, served in the war, and and that generation's was you know didn't love their kids enough, and so that in turn made baby boomers not uh, you know uh, they were very self absorbed generally speaking. <laughs> I think after that, so you know he's getting old. And he decides he wants to, you know, he's not being spontaneous enough, so he he, he does this thing and he and he builds the uh, the baseball field in in his in his farm in his backyard, basically. So it, it really just a, a bad financial decision, and uh, you know, he, you can tell this is not going to be a, a good move early on, and it's a pretty selfish decision if you ask me. When you've got a, a young family who's uh, you know relying on your your harvest or your, your corn to to survive you know so it's questionable decision making but it, it is what it is um, and no workers with him he's got to do that shit by himself yeah um yeah that was kind of odd too right um yeah, so, didn't get anybody with him that's ridiculous and if you're an iowa farmer you know you have some help you know sometimes <laughs> legal sometimes illegal well yeah exactly um but there are some there's a lot of pros with this movie and um and some cons as well pros they do get right to it in terms of the story, like within the first few minutes, it's if you build it, he will come. You know what I mean? So they they they, they briefly storyboard the dad character 
with with some poor crude Photoshop uh, or, or you know late '80s Photoshop. That the technology has come a long way. There was some bad green screen in this movie. I'll get to in a second, but they get right to it. You're, you're fully immersed right in with the voice in the field saying, "If you build it, he will come." And so I appreciate that they didn't waste any time. Uh, the house and the, the 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 scene, the setting is gorgeous. The house that you will see on the broadcast tonight, it's awesome. Like the 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 scouting people for for this movie did a great job because it's it's really great. Um, they do strike the emotional chords. I get chills at certain scenes, and the music I think is is really awesome. Um, you know, you, you hear it a lot. I've used it a lot in production uh, when when I really want to tug at the baseball heartstrings. I remember when I produced my Vince Scully tribute thing after he retired. I used some Field of Dream stuff in there, and it's just it's it's unmatched in terms of uh, the emotion you get when you think of baseball and you hear the score of this movie. Um, the wife, Amy Madigan, plays the wife Annie. She, you know, you, you you remember the movie a certain way as her just being the you know the the cold wife who stands in his way of, of fulfilling his dream and and listening to his heart and his soul. But ultimately, she rules because she's really supportive. And they have that point in the movie where she where they have they're discussing uh, getting rid of Terrence Mann's uh, you know, James Earl Jones's literature, his character's literature from the school, and turns out. Uh, Annie, the wife, she hates Nazis, she loves America, she's pro-free speech, and opposes groupthink. So I love this woman. She's awesome. You remember that scene where she's gonna where she's gonna throw hands with the old with the uh, the stuck up old Biddy in the uh, in the PTA meeting? You remember that part? I do remember that. That's a famous <laughs> actress. I think that's Stalker Channing, I believe that that other play lady who uh, plays uh, the book burning lady. Yeah. Uh, but Amy Madigan, the actress born and raised in chicago well how about that yeah she does a great job and seeing the movie uh in a, in a more you know uh you know uh, mature light as i'm older like you 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 see the the redeeming qualities they, they stick out more and she's more of a, a prominent figure when i watch it uh, again recently because she's so supportive and uh and she hates nazis and loves free speech in america um which you know uh, is great uh and james Earl jones uh really awesome in, in this movie, um, you know, I think his arc and his scenes in the movie with Kevin Costner, I think it's the best part of the movie. It's not necessarily the the sort of campy father son stuff at the end, which we'll get to. But his story arc and his little mini, you know, story there, where he was, you know, the civil rights activist and, and prolific writer of his time, who becomes disenfranchised. And he just wants to be left alone, like you know. I think he plays that part perfectly, and I love the the scene with them in, in Fenway, um, and I love the '80s nostalgia, seeing the old Miller Lite plastic cups there. Uh, that I remember, like all of a sudden seeing that, that reminded me of going to old Chicago Stadium, going to old Comiskey, when seeing those cups right there. So that immediately took me back to late '80s old ballparks, old stadiums. That was pretty cool. And of course, Herb, they've got two beers and two hot dogs. That'll be 15 bucks. <laughs> Ridiculous. Um, so are, are you with me with some of those pros? You kind of see like how those could all be, uh, be good things there before we get to the cons? Yeah, I'm good with it. And it wasn't stocker chaining. It was a lady named Lee Gardling. Garlington. Okay. So it looks like Looks like a stocker chanting though. All right. Um, yeah, I agree with all those points right there. Uh, you have anything, any other positives that I didn't mention that you like about the movie before we get to some of the cons? Because I know you've got your list of cons. I here. mean, it doesn't get better than the cast that you've already named. And I said it earlier, Burt Lancaster playing Moonlight Graham in his older age played oh, it perfectly. So good. He's I love awesome. Burt, Burt Lancaster in that movie. Yeah, it's really awesome. I'm, I'm and pretty- his younger self, Frank Whaley, also good. 
Absolutely. Yeah. That he Frank Whaley, of course, um, Pulp Fiction. Yes. <laughs> he, he's the one, the big brain on bread. <laughs> so he was in Pulp Fiction. Um, and you saw what happened to him there. But what? <laughs> <laughs> say what again? Uh, but yeah, he, he had he was in a lot of great movies, uh, Swimming with Sharks with, with Kevin Spacey. But yeah, but yeah, Burt Lancaster. I, how could I forget that? I was in all him? these movies, friends. Yeah. Bert, Sorry, we ruined, the, we ruined it for you guys. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Burt Lancaster plays that part perfectly. I can't believe I have him. Uh, I have omitted him on my list of, of pros. I think I was getting tired in the evening here uh, and i just was so enchanted with his on-screen performance uh we better hurry up with and finish this show or else my wife's gonna think i got a girlfriend um mm. <laughs> cons special effects and I'm, I'm not gonna be incredibly hard on this because it was late 1980s but it was pretty evident watching it in 4k that the stuff in the cornfields in the beginning of the movie appear to have been shot on a green screen because you can see like the pixelation around um Kevin Costner as he's roaming through the cornfields. So that kind of take took a, a bit of an element away. I could be wrong. It could just be the way my TV was acting up and I was watching on YouTube on a stream. So maybe it was that. But uh, the special effects, not great in their limited use in this film. And they, they ask you to suspend uh, disbelief when you a lot in this movie so they don't rely heavily on special effects. But when they are used, it, it's pretty evident. Um talking uh he's, he's driving his daughter his daughter's presumably around seven years old and uh they're driving around and and she he's telling her about baseball history and just happened you know he's talking about ty cobb hmm. uh, you know i thought you know how many times sir, have you heard me talk to my daughter about ty cobb and the great uh, the, the greats of yesteryear uh just totally about <laughs> spikes high <laughs> yeah exactly you know daddy did he really kill a black groundskeeper oh that's just embellished over time honey um uh but yeah you you hear you know that that conversation that that's not believable to me like my my daughter would be asking me uh, if she can go back to playing roblox or something if i started talking about baseball players from the from the uh the early 1900s so uh that was unbelievable to me and a little cheesy um and how about um the dumb idea of being a farmer and not being able to farm. Um, that that's, that's his bread and butter that that's his livelihood. And he's like, you know what? I'm just going to not do that <laughs> anymore. Yeah, that's not important. <laughs> and, and how far did he fall? He went to Berkeley. So he was like, uh, went to an institution of higher learning and he's a farmer. I, I can't connect those dots. I don't know what happened to him there, but you think this guy would be on wall street or something, you know what I mean? Or, you know, doing something else other than relying on, on corn. It was too much into that hippie stuff and that <laughs> yeah. wacky tobacco. Yeah, the, the devil's lettuce has fried your brain, son. <laughs> um, okay, and now we get to the to the real meat of it. I know this is this is red meat here for you, Ray Liotta, who mm. I who I adore <laughs> in general, not necessarily in this movie. Um, but I, I think this is one of those things that you, pop culture has ruined Ray Liotta in in, in uh, Field of Dreams for me because I, of course. Uh, Goodfellas is my favorite movie of all time, so I have Ray Liotta bias. Um, but his uh, accent in this movie, and go ahead, you've got a whole list of Ray Liotta of, of grievances here. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell the folks uh, what, what we were talking about off the air about Ray Liotta just being in this movie in general? She was Joe Jackson, everybody knows, and uh, it's Dan Wallach. Uh, remember, we were trying to talk about uh, Shoeless Joe Jackson Museum. It's down there in South Carolina, Chicago, and Dan Wallach runs that um down there so if you're in the area go and check it out he's from south carolina known to be not like a the portrayal that db sweeney necessarily gave in eight men and out not a just a idiot 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 <laughs> but he wasn't learned it 
he wasn't a guy that you know had a college degree or any of that stuff back then. None of the, most of those guys didn't, as they were making fun of of uh, Eddie Collins having a college degree, calling him college boy. He what him and his wife after his baseball career had a successful business. You know, they did some things, they made some money, but from South Carolina. Ray Liotta's coming through with a New York <laughs> accent the whole damn movie. Did not try to be Shoeless Joe Jackson. And it's weird because Ray Liotta was a virtual unknown. This is before Goodfellas. He had only done a few minor things before this. So this is sort of like a breakthrough role for him because he was in a bunch of stuff after. So this was an, an odd choice here to cast him in this role, but they must have just loved him. And he's certainly a, a, a very handsome guy and a good actor. Uh, after this movie was made, he's a good actor. Uh, but yeah, the accent was funny because he was talking about what it was like as Shoeless Joe Jackson not being able to play. He's like, it's like part of me was amputated. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that is that type of accent. It reminded me, you know, of, of Goodfellas. In prison, dinner was always a big thing. We had a pasta course, and then we had a meat or a fish. Paulie did the prep work. He was doing a year for contempt, and he had this wonderful system for doing the garlic. He used a razor, and he used to slice it so thin that it used to liquefy in the pan with just a little oil. It's a very good system. Uh, but yeah, I thought that was uh, it was kind of ridiculous. I never thought about it as a kid because you just you see when I as a kid I'm just like oh it's Ray Liotta from Goodfellas and he's playing a baseball player. But yeah, the, the, there, there's a lot of things wrong with the with the Joe Jackson character. And even though they didn't have TV back in the day, everybody knows. If you look up a book right now, I'm looking on Wikipedia. I'm looking on MLB.com. Shoeless Joe Jackson batted left-handed. In the movie, Ray Liotta bats right-handed, but Stevie Sweeney, who came on with Lawrence Holmes a couple weeks ago, said that Ray and the crew had agreed that his left-handed swing didn't look believable. Mm. So what they were going to do in 1988 was to flip the screen. So to give you a reverse image, a mirror image, if you will. So Ray would look like he's hitting left hand even though he's sitting right-handed right but of course if you do that it looks weird because why is now third base really close to him on right. the wrong side so it didn't work out now nowadays you could do that easily with a flip of a button i can probably do that and i don't even have that much good editing experience but back in the day they did not so he's hitting right-handed and that's a it's an air right there for me so his portrayal of shoeless joe jackson wasn't good I'll always stick with the D.B. Sweeney one. It's much more realistic to what he was. And above all, we all know that Kevin Costner would not have that type of glove side run on his fastball to, to cut in on, on Joe Jackson on the left side. We know that. That's obvious. Um, but I, I like to see it as this. You know, this this launched Ray Liotta's career. It didn't launch it, but, you know, he was put on the, on the national stage uh, after this movie and Goodfellas came out in 1990. And had he not been in this movie in in Field of Dreams, maybe Ray Liotta is not in Goodfellas, and who knows what becomes of Goodfellas. So I I, I overlook it because you know I look at it through that that lens there. But um, you know it just but overall like those those are my pros and cons with, with the movie. You know I, I thought it was odd that you know they chose to take Terrence Mann to Fenway. I know he happened to be living in Boston, but there were several parks along the way. Why not take him to? Uh, the baseball palace of the world at the time, uh, the, the old Comiskey Park. Why not do that? You know, I mean, he was coming back to Iowa anyway. Exactly. So or taking as well. And I hate to say it, taking a Wrigley. Well, by that time, <laughs> he wasn't convinced that as you know yeah, that true, Ray yeah. was a guy that 
he need to go with. But after that, yeah, hey, we're going from Boston to Iowa. Well, actually, Boston to Minnesota, then to Iowa. Might as well stop at a couple ballparks. They both love baseball, apparently. Yeah, um, and oh boy, would Terrence Mann love PNC Park? Uh, I'll tell you that uh, right now. <laughs> um, but and also, just a funny note: the the actor who played Chick Gandle in this movie also played uh, Babe Ruth in Sandlot. So this guy was definitely typecast as an early 1900s baseball player. Uh, so he got some good money off of that, and he had that, as Hawk would say, he got the good baseball face. Um, you know, so that guy was the same. Uh, you know, in, in in both movies, a a uh, a power hitting. Uh, baseball player so with all that being said and the the father-son dynamic you know depending on what what type of mood i wake wake up in it's not something that's particularly strong uh, about the movie Uh, you know it's it's not necessarily the driving force as people make it out to be because it's only briefly at the end and certainly it's a touching moment i did not choke up watching it last night um but i could see how someone would be so it's not a huge thing for me, but the father and son dynamic I know is different for a lot of people out there. So, uh, you know, uh, people some people you know don't are, aren't always going to have that same type of connection as people want to make you have with it. You know, people are saying, "Oh, it's great because of the father and something." Well, not everyone's relationship with their dads is the same. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, it was good. It, it was fine. Um, and it was a cool thing to tie it all together because that's where the movie begins, talking about his dad, and it ends with them having a catch. Um, which just sounds like I associate that phrase now having a catch as, as so pretentious. And, yes. you know, is that an East Coast thing that we established? Yeah, yeah. Definitely not even a Chicago or anything close to Iowa thing. I've never heard anybody besides that movie say have a catch. Yeah, it just sounds weird. And I think we've kind of phased it out of, uh, out of you know, modern day pop culture. So that's fine by me. All right. So before I ask you, is Field mm-hmm. of Dreams good? Let's go to the Locked On White Sox podcast Twitter account at Locked On Sox. I asked the question there early this morning: Is Field of Dreams the movie? I had because you're the king of Twitter polls, and you're yes. you know, so I had to make sure people know the movie is what I was talking about. Because then you have people in there talking about like the, the game, like oh, it's good for the game. But no, I'm talking about the movie. Is Field of Dreams the movie good? And the White Sox Twitter audience here, White Sox Twitter, they say. Yes, it is good. 64.2% compared to 35.8%. No, yes, the Locked On Sox Twitter audience believes that Field of Dreams is a good movie. What say you, Herb? I say it's a good movie, and I didn't really have a relationship with my father, and maybe that's where I can connect there. I never had a catch with my father. I never played baseball with my father, but that end scene where he's talking to his dad, Realizes dad gets to introduce him to his wife and his that guy's uh, grandchild is a touching scene. It tugs at the heartstrings. But overall, there's things wrong with the movie. We've already discussed it. My huge thing about the movie. I don't know if we want to get to it now, Tanny. But yeah, go ahead. This is the, the math I did. That movie was supposed to be set in 1988. He's 36 years old. So that means he was born in 1952. His dad is a big Shoeless Joe Jackson fan, right? Right. Shoeless Joe Jackson's last game he played was in 1920. So let's say that his dad's a big Shoeless Joe Jackson fan. He's 10 years old at that time. So he would have been, what, 40 or whatever? Born in 1910. He would have been 42 when he would have had Ray Kinsella. For that (laughs) age, for that kind of person is very unbelievable. <laughs> you got a dis you got a 
you got to suspend disbelief, suspend disbelief at that time that he's having a kid at 42. And I don't think he has any sisters or brothers. So his only child at 42 years old, I know there was a war, but that war ended seven years prior to Ray's <laughs> birth. So I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I always got to. I always like that's that's me being generous with him being 10 years old in 1920. Like he could be I mean, theoretically, he could be younger, but he would have missed most of Hugh Joe Jackson's career. If you're a five, if you're born in 1915 and you can only see the last. Well, you're cognizant probably for the next what? 1919, 1920. You know, when's your first memory as a child? Mine was like when I was three. So okay. there's no way he could be a fan. This is why I am very pedantic about these movies like did you guys do any background did you uh, see that the guy was a left-handed hitter did you see that the father would have been way too old to have a child of ray's age and yeah the kid would probably be very pissed at his dad because his dad's like 60 trying to have him play baseball for for what to live out his failed dreams of being a minor league player yeah, I want to go and smoke dope and have a uh, have wild, unprotected sex in the '60s. That's what I want to go and do, Dad. Leave me alone. Hey, you don't know. He could have been bagging it. You don't know. You don't know that. That's not fair, Ray Cancelo. Uh, you don't know he was, uh, he was raw dogging it out there in these streets. Um, yeah, I, 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 you know, that's funny because they ask you to they they ask for a lot of leeway here with some of the things that you don't know. Who, you know what's real what's not you know uh what when people are crossing over to dimensions like they they ask a lot in that regard they could at least have the timeline up with when people uh, in the movie are born I, that's fair uh totally fair but i will say i will agree with you i think it is uh, good and it, funny if you want to hear someone just totally eviscerate this movie uh and i have no problem if you want to do so but cody decker was on with bernstein and rahimi yesterday okay. and he just he just smack fire at this movie and he says anyone who likes it is an idiot or they just don't know any better <laughs> he went hard on this movie I, i'm not that type of person that's gonna go hard one way or another but it is topical since the game is tonight i think it's a good movie i, I my favorite part of the movie is the the moonlight graham arc like it's fascinating to me mm-hmm. and when when you know when kevin costner's telling him well don't you think it's a tragedy that you won't get a chance to to get in that bat he's like no if the only tragedy would have been if had i never been able to be a doctor and he was a, uh, a pediatrician. Had I never been able to be a doctor for a day, that's awesome. And then when he steps over the line to save uh, the Ray's daughter, which I know you have issues with Timothy mm. Busfield's character there as well, mm-hmm. um, just you know, just grabbing your child and, and shaking her, you know, that was kind of wild. That's wild Oof. behavior. <laughs> Timothy Busfield is like you, he's the villain of the movie until you you buy property. And you and you, and you have a family, and then you're like, ah, he's got some good points, <laughs> but don't touch my child, though, dude. <laughs> oh my god! Like once, I mean, while he's grabbing my child, I'm choking him out, and then once my child is good, hey, honey, if she isn't choking him out, I'm beating the brakes off of this dude. I'm gonna kill my goddamn daughter. I'm gonna murder you. I don't even have a daughter. Somebody choke choke Ziggy, and that's a dog. I would murder somebody. And Ziggy's on the ground, choke him because he got a hot dog in the back of his mouth. Firstly, that never happened because he'll eat the hot dog. But secondly, 
I would break, beat the brakes off that dude. Yeah, man. And it, it's funny. The, uh, you talk about special effects and continuity. It's like, you know, the, 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 the 40-year-old woman that fell off the, uh, the bleachers there while she was choking on the hot dog. <laughs> it's funny if you go back and watch that. Like, clearly Gabby the, the, Hoffman <laughs> couldn't take it? Yeah, she couldn't take a bump. She couldn't take a bump for this picture. Um, but, yeah, that, that was funny. Just seeing, like, you know, a, a considerably taller person fall off the bleachers. But, yeah, you know, I'm not going to sell you why this is a great movie. It's it's barely in my top five baseball movies, but I will say that it is good. A lot of people think it's cool to shit on it, and that's fine. You know, a lot, a lot of people just like to be, you know, contrarians, and that that's fine too. And if you don't like it, that, you know, I, it is what it is. I don't I don't care either way. But I think it's gotten a bad rap uh, over the years, and but it's also it's fair to say that it's gotten a bad rap by some, and it's been also overly loved. I think it, it's it, it's fine it's adequate it's good and the setting for tonight's game is going to be remarkable i've been following garfine and, and ryan mcguffey all week on social media and ozzy too even ozzy Gein is getting a little sentimental about this stuff i think i could tell from the broadcast so it's got this type of energy surrounding it that's hard to, to dispute so i'm looking forward to this game tonight and uh, as i'm sure you are too we'll break it all down uh tomorrow's show lance lynn is on the bump and yes. this is going to be awesome. I was really hoping to have Rodon out there, but he, since he's on the IL, uh, Lance Lynn is going to take the bump for the White Sox against the Yankees. Uh, Lance Lynn goes to the bump with a ERA of a sparkling 204 earn run average, and he's 10-3 and on the year with 130 strikeouts against Andrew Heaney. He's a lefty, 7-8 and with a 5.45 ERA. Now, Sox mm-hmm. should be going back to let's feast off lefties again because mm-hmm. they're getting you know, the for the most part, the power stroke is back. The guys who crush the lefties are back. Tim's hitting. Eloy's hitting. We need to get Lou Bob going a little bit. But this could be this could be a big night for the White Sox franchise and just a, a great night all around. It's going to be a great night, I think, as long as the weather stays good and doesn't rain. That, that'll be good. They have that off day built in, and hopefully they, they get it in. But I think it'll be a good night for baseball uh, as, as a whole. I want the White Sox to win, obviously, and I'd much rather be breaking down a victory than a loss. But uh, everything that baseball has done so far, they've, they've been pitch perfect with this, and I think it's just going to be a great night for our game, Herb. And I'm looking forward to breaking it down with you tomorrow. Yeah, and if you recall, Andrew Heaney threw the second game of the year and his first start of the year, the White Sox feasted off that bum. Three innings pitched, give up five hits, seven earned runs, home run by Jose Abreu. So they've seen this guy earlier in the year when he was an angel. Now let's feast on him out there in the cornfields. He's no angel, believe me. Yeah, so it should be uh, exciting, and uh, that's all I got. Locked on socks at gmail.com. 312-566-8727. Sorry, we get we didn't get to your game-specific voicemails that you guys left. Some people were mad about that loss yesterday, and don't be mad. Don't waste your time being mad about that. Just happy you get out of Minnesota uh, and your guys are healthy for the most part, and, and we get to have a national audience for your first-place team with a considerable division lead. So don't be too mad. Turn the page quickly. It's okay to be mad, but turn the page quickly. 312-566-8727. If you are at the Field of Dreams game, I know 
our guy Wally from 108 and Pete Han is going to be out there. Uh, they they were lucky enough to Chris uh, Ranji too. I know what a boner. What, the hell? what a damn boner. He's going to be out there. I'm, I'm happy. Damn for White him. Sox people gave him tickets. Probably no, I don't think so. Well, nah, I hope for not. his years of service, he <laughs> deserves that and more. Yeah, he definitely deserves more. I'm just going to say. I thought you were going to say he doesn't deserve that, but no, he deserves that no. more. You're right. You're There's right a, about that. Battle from them. So yeah, we'll we'll break it all down tomorrow. But that's all I got. Thank you for sticking with us with the long episode. We, we want to let you know we give you guys more here. We. We could have easily cut it off an hour ago, uh, and I knew make that, two, yeah, make two episodes. But then we wouldn't have have to break down the game. So we want to break and down then the game. We got Melissa who won our tickets earlier in the year. She's driving out to Iowa. She said she's gonna be listening to this. Hello, Melissa. Oh, perfect. That's perfect. If you're listening to us uh, on the on the commute to Dyersville, Iowa, you got us going. Thank you so much. We appreciate that, and uh, we hope we didn't uh, bore you guys too much with our movie thoughts. Or just uh, thought it'd be fun to branch out and talk about uh, something topical there. So I, I enjoy talking about stuff other than baseball on occasion. So it allows us to uh, just, this is what Herb and I sound like when we're just uh, talking in the score studios during, during commercial breaks. So yeah, that's all I got. Uh, be with us tomorrow. Our final day of the week. Yeah, it's our final day of the week. And then before Herb goes on vacation and uh, got a special surprise, which we will announce during tomorrow's show on a show we're going to do next week. So that's all I got. That is Chris Tannehill. Follow him at Chris Tannehill. My name is Herb Lawrence, Hector Wall 23. Thank you for joining us on Locked on Socks.